0: Welcome to the North Shore Church audio podcast. To find out more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com. We hope you enjoy today's message. Two years ago, we took our entire family, all five of those kids, the little ones too, to Disney World. That was crazy. I mean, it was just chaos. Um, that we, we went, I suppose, in the rainy season. I don't know if it's all the rainy season, but it rained every single day in every line on every ride. It just rained and rained and rained on us. We didn't have... We didn't have umbrellas or ponchos or anything, and it was just kind of cold and wet and miserable. I remember this one line we were standing in. We were all huddled together. It started raining on us. We were just sitting there freezing. We looked so sad and pathetic that uh, there was a lady standing there next to us. They gave us like five umbrellas, and we were just huddled under all these umbrellas because we looked sad enough, right? Um, but it was awesome. We had a great day. One of my highlights of that, that day was... Um, Riding the Tower of Terror there at Disneyland. Has anybody ever ridden the Tower of Terror there? Um, if you don't know what that is, it's one of the rides that they have there, and it kind of goes with the whole. Uh, they have this theme around it. It's like this haunted hotel, and the the elevator goes berserk, and it goes up and down really fast. It's like you're gonna fall and, and die, and you know that's kind of how they sell it. And um, and in the whole thing, it's like this haunted, it's you all know, like the haunted hotel, and there's like water dripping to kind of add to the spooky factor and stuff and they play the twilight zone music and all that stuff and and i really wanted to go on it but my kids were a little nervous and so i'm trying to convince them And they're like ah maybe later and so what i did is i convinced the middle child titus my middle child and i said i convinced him to go and how many of you know that if you convince the middle child to do something scary the older two are going to do it just because they're not going to be outbraved by the the middle child right I mean, that's essentially what parenting is, is uh, peer pressure and manipulation, and so you just got to use it the right way, um, manipulate them the right way, and so I got the middle child to say yes, and so the older two said yes, and we went on, and it was awesome. They had a blast. They came back talking about how fun the ride was, and so they told my, uh, my daughter, who was four at the time, how much fun it was, and she said she wanted to go. She's four years old, wanted to go on the Tower of Terror and um, she was just barely tall enough like her ponytail like just crossed the line so she was just barely tall enough and so I said okay let's go and so we went there and as we were getting ready to go into the entrance where the line started there was a 40 year old woman there and she was having a conversation she was arguing with her high school daughter and uh, her her high school daughter was trying to convince her to come in she was like forcibly dragging her into the entrance. And this 40-year-old mom was saying, no, I'm not going to go. She was like freaking out, shaking and panicking. And then I walked through with my three kids and then the fourth, my four-year-old holding her little hand. We walk right by her and she goes, oh, great. Look at this little girl. She's going on and I can't even go. (laughs) And it just made me so proud, right? (laughs) That's right. Here we go. And so we went in, and, and, and you know, it kind of had the spooky motif and stuff, and, and I, I was holding Naomi. I said, honey, I'm getting tired. I'm going to put you down. And she clung to me really hard. You guys know what I'm talking about. She like just squeezed me hard. She said, no, daddy, don't put me down. And so I, I had to hold her the entire time, and, and we went on, and... and we got there in the buckle, and she's sitting right there next to me, and she's you know, a little bit panicky, and she's kind of scared, and, and she says, Daddy, give me your hand, and so I give her my hand, and, and she says, no, don't, I don't want you to hold my hand. I want you to put your hand across me, so she made me reach across and grab this, this uh, bar on the other side of her and press down on her with my arm. She had the buckle, but she needed Dad. How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? And she kept saying, Daddy, tighter. Daddy, tighter. And she wanted my arm to be across her lap so tight that she could just barely breathe. Like, she wanted to breathe, but just barely, right? She didn't know whether she wanted to die by, like, suffocation for me or the, the, the ride. But she just, she knew, like, she needed me to be tighter. And so we went on the thing, and it dropped, and everybody's screaming, oh, you know, Tower of Terror. And I look over at her, and she's not screaming at all. She's just in that, like, that silent, like, <gasps> Like, freaking out, like, if this is the end, it's been a good four years, you know, sort of thing. <laughs> and, um, and so, at the end, you know, we're all done, and it kind of levels out, and I look over at her. I said, you are okay? She says, yeah. I said, did you like it? She said, yeah. I said, do you want to go again? She said, no. And so... <laughs> So, okay, okay, I'm proud of you. And we walked out, and as we were walking out of the exit area, they always have like a shop because Disney is great at taking your money. And uh, we walked out of that exit area, and there was two boys fighting. There was two brothers fighting, and a junior high and a high school brother, and they were arguing back and forth. And the younger brother was yelling at his older brother for being a scary cat to go on the Tower of Terror ride. And they're having the same conversation, the same one that we just passed coming in. And then we walked by again. I have little Naomi's hand. She's four years old. We're walking by. And he yells at his older brother and he says, see, look at that little baby. She's on the ride and you're too afraid to go. I was so proud. I like. That's right. And it was just, it was just such a fun moment. We laughed and then Naomi had to go tell Melissa, you know, these two big people were too afraid and I went and all that stuff. But. The truth is, Naomi had something that the the mother and the older brother didn't. Naomi had someone to cling on to. Naomi had somebody bigger than her, stronger than her, somebody that she could trust, somebody that that she would be willing to to trust her life with that she could cling on to. The mom didn't have anybody to cling on to. The older brother didn't have anybody to cling on to. He wasn't going to hold his younger brother's hand, you know what I mean? but Naomi had somebody that she could trust that was bigger than her that she could cling to. This Easter Sunday, it's a day that we celebrate the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. This is a day that we remember and we celebrate the victory that was promised on the cross and fulfilled at the resurrection. Like all of Scripture points to this one moment at Calvary where Jesus dies for our sins and then three days later is risen again from the dead. This is why we celebrate. This is why we sing. This is why we clap. This is why we make a big deal about all of this because we have a God who is bigger than us, who is stronger than us. Who who has defeated death, hell, and the grave, that we can cling to. That when things are scary, we can cling to him. That when we don't know fully what's going on, we can cling to him. When there's, there's anxiety in our life, we can cling to him because he's already won the victory. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 says, Since, says this, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. Because we are united with Christ, because we are clinging to Christ, scripture promises that we will rise from the dead. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. And and some of you are here this morning, you feel like, man, you've been slaved, you've been bound, you feel like you're a slave to sin. You're gonna have a minute, you're gonna have an opportunity in just a minute to. Ask Jesus to be a part of your life and a part of your situation, to begin to cling to him. Um, That'll be in just a couple of minutes. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin, and since we died with Christ, we know that we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead, and he will never die again. Scripture says death no longer has any power over him. Yeah. Amen. Death no longer has any power over him. One more time. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. That is why Easter is such a big deal to us. Because death no longer has any power over Jesus. And that's why we as believers cling so tightly to jesus because if death no longer has any power over him and we cling to him then by proximity by default because we place our trust in jesus death no longer has any power over us either because we cling to him jesus came from heaven and he lived a perfect sinless life scripture says he was tempted in every way that we are but without sin So Jesus, perfect in every way, died the death that we should have died. He died a death that would have completely destroyed us. But but when he died his death, he rose again and destroyed death. And he took on the cross the pain, the judgment that was meant for us. He paid the price that we could never afford. And On one hand, he endured the wicked wrath of man. And on the other hand, he, he endured the righteous wrath of God or he appeased the righteous wrath of God. And he won a victory over death. Jesus was stripped naked, he was beaten. Scripture says he was beaten so badly he wasn't even recognizable as a human man. He was nailed to that awful Roman cross. He took our sins upon himself and he gave us his righteousness so that we could have a relationship with the Father. And the miracle of Easter that that we celebrate in Easter is we celebrate the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But there is a miracle that that Easter represents that points to something that immediately and eternally benefits us. And and, and we have a miracle, but but the miracle of, of Easter for us isn't necessarily the resurrection, but it points to salvation. Now listen, the path that Jesus follows is is his life, death, and resurrection. But that's not the path that we follow because Scripture tells us that we were born into death. That, That the second we were conceived and our hearts started beating, we were destined for death. That, that we were destined for hell because we were born with this sin nature that won't allow us to enter into the presence of God. And so from the minute that we were conceived, we were born dead. So our, our journey doesn't follow the life, death, and resurrection of you or me or anybody else. Our journey begins with death. So our journey goes death, resurrection, and life, because at the resurrection, Jesus guaranteed our salvation. And so we go from death to resurrection. Now we get to experience life. That's the miracle of Easter as it relates to us. And because death has no power over Jesus, though we were born dead, now we can live again, because when we cling to Jesus, death no longer has any power over us as well. And over the years, we've done a really good job in our churches trying to sell, like, how good Jesus is. And listen, we can't ever oversell how good Jesus is. Like, the joys, the blessing, the fulfillment, the peace that Jesus has to offer, we can't ever oversell that. But from time to time, we, we neglect the price. And, and from time to time, we talk about all of these extra benefits of following Jesus that we forget what the core purpose of Jesus' journey here on earth is meant so this morning in the few minutes that we have remaining i i want to i want to show you jesus as a savior because too many times we present jesus as a life enhancer too many times we present jesus as the one that's going to make everything better that's going to make you happy. We, we present Jesus as the one who's going to make you happy, healthy, and wealthy. And, and we present that as Jesus' purpose. But that's not Jesus' purpose. That's not why he came. He didn't come to make everything, everybody happy, healthy, and wealthy. Jesus came to save. He came to defeat death for you. And so I, I, want, I want to do this illustration real quick. i got to get my prop back here. Um, I want to show you something. Imagine there's an airplane, and there's two men on the airplane, and each of them is given a, a parachute. Now, these parachutes weigh probably about 30 pounds or so like that. They're kind of heavy and bulky. And um, each man is given a parachute. The first man is handed the parachute. And, and imagine it in a backpack form, like he's, he straps it on. Or the first man is given the parachute, and he's told, this parachute is going to improve your flight. So he's given the parachute. He says, this parachute is going to improve your flight. The first man, he's a little bit skeptical at first because he can't think in his mind how a parachute would in any way improve his flight. But, but the guy who spoke to him was convincing. He sort of stirred up some emotion in his heart. And so he said, you know what? I'm gonna give it a shot. And so he puts the parachute on, he picks it up, he slings it over his shoulder, and he begins to wear this parachute. Initially, he feels the burden of the parachute, he buckles the straps, he feels the weight of it, it's binding, it's pinching, it's restricting his freedom of movement, and all of that stuff. But he feels, though it's a little uncomfortable, he's going to endure because he was promised that it would improve his flight. After a while, some of the other passengers are looking at him. They begin to talk. They begin to laugh and make fun of him, wondering why in the world this guy is wearing this parachute. For a while, he endures their judgmental looks and their mocking. But sometime later, combined with the weight of the parachute, the restrictions, how uncomfortable it is, and their mocking, he begins to become frustrated. He unbuckles the straps. He lets the parachute fall to the floor, and he kicks it away. He is now disillusioned and embittered because as far as he knew, as far as he was concerned, he had been told an outright lie, that the man had lied to him completely. And now, because of his situation, he wants absolutely nothing to do with the parachute. He kicks it away, and he he totally rejects it. In fact, as he's looking around the the cockpit or or the, the, the airplane, he's noticing other people with parachutes, and he begins to mock and tease and make fun of them as well. The second man is given a parachute and he's told something different. The second man, when he is handed the parachute, he said, put it on because at any moment you're going to have to jump 25,000 feet out of this plane. This man's reaction is a little different. He gratefully throws the parachute on. He buckles the straps and cinches them tight, making sure he can feel them. He can feel the burden of it. He can feel the weight across his shoulders. That weight, that burden isn't isn't frustrating to him. He finds it comforting because he knows the reality of the situation. The fact that he can't sit comfortably in his seat doesn't seem to bother him One bit. He just clings to the parachute knowing that any moment he's going to have to jump and this parachute is going to be this thing that's going to save him. Now, take a second and consider the motive and the response. The first man was promised that the parachute would improve his flight, but all he got was a burden a burden that invited mockery, a, a burden that invited pain. He abandoned the parachute and he becomes angry at the one who gave him the parachute and angry at himself for having the the weak-minded thought to put it on. The second guy put the parachute on for one reason and one reason only. He put the parachute on to escape certain death because he knew he was going to have to jump. Because he knew there would be a moment where it would be his time to jump. And so he put the parachute on with joy. And because he knew the jump was coming, he was convinced that he couldn't survive the jump on his own. He found great comfort in the restriction of the parachute. He found great comfort in the burden of the parachute. He found great comfort in the fact that he wasn't comfortable in his seat because he was wearing the parachute. And when he got the looks and he got the mockery and people began to tease and make fun of him. It didn't bother him one bit because he knew there would be a time where he had to jump and he was going to cling to the parachute. In fact, his gratitude, his love, his affection for the man who gave him the warning in the parachute began to grow and grow and grow. If you aren't a regular to this church and if you're just kind of here because it's Easter, you got an invite, you, know, you just wanted to check it out. Maybe you're here visiting family or friends you aren't sure about this whole God thing, let me take a minute to just real quick apologize to you because we as believers and we as a church too often try to give you Jesus like you're the first man on the plane. We fall into that trap. We say, here's Jesus, put him on, he'll improve your flight. Here's Jesus, put him on. He'll give you joy, peace, contentment, happiness. He'll he'll give you a perfect family. He'll give you a a perfect marriage. He'll improve all aspects of your life. And some of you have responded. Some of you have tried Jesus on as an experiment. You thought, well, let's give it a shot. What's it gonna hurt? I'm just gonna put Jesus on for a little bit. And very quickly, you realize that when when you put Jesus on in, in your spirit, There are still seasons in your life of temptation. There's still seasons of pain. There's still seasons of of trial. And and there is a a legitimate burden of following Jesus. And it surprises us, though it shouldn't, because Matthew chapter 24, verse 9 says, This is Jesus' words. Jesus says, Then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And because you are told that the purpose of Jesus was to improve your flight or to improve your life, you become frustrated, discouraged, embittered, disenfranchised, and you take Jesus off, you reject him, you kick him away, and now you feel like there's part of you that it's your job and your mission to make sure that nobody falls into that trap or or falls subject to that lie again. And I get it. It's frustrating. Because you have been sold Jesus as a life enhancer and not a savior. Jesus didn't come to improve your flight. He came to save you from death. And, and I, know, I know the Easter message that I'm supposed to share. I, I, I've done this. I know that we're supposed to say, you want happiness? Find Jesus. You want health? Find Jesus. You want, you want security? Find Jesus. And, and all of that stuff is true. But all of that stuff is secondary to salvation because if you're pursuing Jesus for that, there will be a season in your life where that isn't clicking and you're going to abandon him. But if you cling to Jesus as a savior, all of these things will come to you. Imagine in this same flight, there's a stewardess that comes down the aisle and she's, she's um, handing out coffee. And in the middle of this, she she comes to the second guy and she spills hot coffee all over his lap. He's got his parachute on. He jumps up. He begins to wipe the coffee off of his, his lap, but he doesn't understand why bad things are happening to him on this flight. You know what he's not going to do? He's not going to take his parachute off, throw it to the ground and say, this is useless. What he's going to do when bad things happen to him is he's going to cling to his parachute even more, knowing that someday salvation is going to come. And we promise all of these other things. We sell Jesus as a life enhancer and we forget that Jesus's reason for coming is to save. But I need to tell you something very important this morning. I want you to listen to me. At any moment, you're going to have to jump. At any moment, your life's going to come to an end. This is something that... that we all know. Because you can't celebrate a resurrection without talking about the reality of death. And it's okay when we talk about Jesus' death, but we don't really want to consider that, that we're going to die too. And so we have to consider our own death. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 27 says, and just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many. Whether you believe In Jesus or not, you know that life on earth will come to an end. There will come a moment where it's your time to jump. Everyone is destined to die. That's why believers, that's why I cling to Jesus, because death no longer has any power over him. That's why I cling to him. That death no longer has any power over him. And physical death no longer has any power over him. Eternal death no longer has any power over him. Hell has no power over him. Destruction, pain, torment has no power over him. Nothing. Jesus has defeated it all. And so as we think about this analogy or this illustration of the parachute, it brings to mind another passage that I want to consider. Um, One that has frustrated me for a long time. Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 and 30 says this. Jesus is saying, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. That last line is the one I want to focus on. It says, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. This has always bothered me. And it's bothered me for a couple of reasons. Number one, it bothers me because this verse sounds like Jesus will improve your life. This verse sounds like the Jesus will improve your life scripture. This verse sounds like, hey, put me on and I will make everything better. That's kind of how we sometimes interpret this. Another reason why this bothers me is because a quick read through scriptures indicates that the burden and the yoke of following Jesus isn't always easy and it's not always light. Jesus tells Matthew, Jesus walks up to Matthew, Matthew has, has this large business and he's making a lot of money. Jesus tells Matthew, Matthew, I want you to leave everything and come and follow me. I want you to abandon your business and come and follow me. Now that's not easy. Jesus goes to Peter. Peter just brings a big load of fish in and, and he's getting ready to take over the family business and Jesus goes to Peter and says, Peter, I want you to abandon everything. I want you to leave it all, leave your family, come and follow me. That's not easy. Jesus has a conversation with a rich young ruler. He says, "I want you to sell everything, come and follow me." That's not easy. Jesus says in the scripture that we just read, "You're going to be arrested, persecuted, hated, and killed." How many? That's not easy. That's not easy. And I, and I look around the world and I think of some of these people that are enduring all of these horrific things in the name of Jesus. I think about the apostles who experienced pain and torture and, and they were martyred for Jesus. And, and I think, how, how could you really go through that? Where does the strength, where does the courage come from? And, and how can Jesus say that my burden is easy and my yoke is light if some of his followers had to give their entire life? How could that possibly be? And I begin to realize, that I'm realizing this for the very first time, that this is only true, the burden is easy and the yoke is light, only for those who understand that Jesus isn't here to improve your flight. He's here to save you from death. And so when we realize that that Jesus came to save and when we cling to him knowing that he has already defeated death and if we hold on to him, he'll defeat death in us, then it doesn't matter what happens to us because Jesus wins. My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Why? Because we know that the burden is also the source. The burden of the cross is also the source of salvation and it's light and it's easy, not because it's comfortable, but because it saves then and only then are we able to understand and fully appreciate the burden of the cross. And then and only then does the cross begin to comfort instead of crush. Then and only then does the cross begin to direct instead of destroy. Then and only then does the cross begin to empower because we understand the purpose of it. We understand the reason of it, not to enhance but to save. And oftentimes, this is what we do as believers. Well-meaning Christians, we, we, we try to bring Christ to somebody. <clears throat> and we say, look, I know this is heavy, and, um, and, and I, I know it's difficult to bear, and I know sometimes it's uncomfortable and can be burdensome, and everybody's gonna be like, hey, you know, what do, what do you got going on? Um, uh, but, you know, this will enhance your life. Um, and and we sort of apologize for the burden of the cross. We we sort of apologize for the aspects of obedience and the aspects of surrender and the aspects of repentance and, and all of these things that 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 make the cross strong. And we apologize for for sort of the, the the bloodiness of the Friday and the bloodiness of the cross. And so what we begin to do to people is is we begin to say you know what here I'm I'm gonna give you Jesus but let me remove some of the weight of it because this is a little heavy. And so we we reach in and we we sort of begin to you know, we, we begin to pull some of this stuff out, right? We say, you know what? You don't have to worry about that stuff because I, I don't even know if that stuff is, is real. Maybe we're just legalistic. Maybe we've just been talking too long. And, and we reach in and we begin to pull and we begin to pull out all of these things. And eventually we pull everything out and we hand them Jesus as a life enhancer. And when we hand people Jesus as a life enhancer, it's just an empty bag because Jesus didn't come to just enhance. He came to save. He came to save. And with good intentions, we go to people and say, let me lighten that load for you. Look, I don't want anybody to lighten the load for me because I know the burden of the cross, it is there. It is real, but it's the burden that brings the power, right? It's the burden that represents his safety, his security. It's the burden that represents his power. It reminds me that I'm saved. And so I'm not looking for somebody to remove the burden of following Jesus. I want to feel the burden. I cherish the burden because it reminds me that Jesus has defeated death. And as long as I cling to him, he's defeated death for me too. Yes, Jesus, your yoke is easy. Yes, Jesus, your burden is light because I know that death no longer has any power over me because death no longer has any power over you. So I don't care what it takes. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what the yoke looks like. I don't care what the burden looks like. I will cling to it. I will cling to you, Jesus. And never before have I understood this verse. Your burden is easy. And your yoke is light. Because he has come to save. He already bore the burden that we couldn't. Stand your feet all across this place. We're getting ready to close. So this morning, I think if we're honest, we have to be able to look at our lives. We have to be able to know that at any moment, we're going to have to jump. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, and because he conquered death, because he conquered hell, because he conquered the grave, because he completely destroyed it, and because death no longer has any power over him, and because of what he did on the cross, death no longer has any power over us, we have reason to celebrate this one. And you aren't here this morning, you aren't aren't here facing a 25,000 foot drop out of an airplane you are here and the very reality of our situation is that we are facing eternity in hell. We are facing an eternal death. Many of us born into death, we're gonna die into death if we don't allow the resurrecting King to resurrect us. So I'm gonna ask this question, if you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place. I want to know this morning if you are ready to put on Jesus, to commit your life to Jesus, to surrender your life to Jesus, to ask Him to be your Lord, not your life enhancer. Would you? be interested, would you be willing, would you would you be ready to commit your life to Jesus, to confess your sins, to serve him as a resurrected king, not as a life coach, but as a savior, not as a consultant, but a savior, not as a financial advisor, but a savior. <clears throat> Jesus isn't your therapist, he's your savior. And when we cling to him as a savior, then all of these other things will be added unto us. But I want you to know this morning, some of you are far from God. Some of you have been following God for a long time. Some of you have been pursuing Jesus as a life enhancer. But today, 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 you're gonna commit your life to him as a savior. So all across this room, I got a question with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're ready to say, today I'm gonna follow him as a savior, Today, I need him as a savior. Today, I know that if I don't do something about this, I'm going to fall, I'm going to jump, and I'm not gonna have anything to catch me. But today, I want Jesus as a savior, not a life enhancer, not a life coach, not a genie in a bottle to make everything better, but as a savior. And if that's you, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand all across this place. If today you're saying, I want him as a savior, I need him as a savior, I need my resurrecting king to resurrect me. If he defeated death and death has no... Power over him. I don't want it to have any power over me, so I need to cling to Jesus. If that's you, all across this place on the crown of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. All across this place. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to connect with us, or if you want more information about North Shore Church, please visit us at mynsag.com.